You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Essential Apple Podcast. Sorry we've been away on a sort of unscheduled hiatus. Let me just uh, describe that as down to life turbulence. But there we go. We don't need to get into that. Um, And that rousing piece of the Ukrainian national anthem, I thought I would play in solidarity with everybody in the Ukraine who are, of course, under uh, an illegal invasion by uh, Mr. Putin. So, uh, yes, we won't get into that too much. But, it's very stately. Uh, it's very stately sounding, isn't it? It is very stately sounding. Um, yeah, I, I very up, patriotic sounding. It is. Mm. It's a lot of, um, there's a lot about stuff about freedom and um, standing together and things in it, if you look up the English translation. But uh, there we go. I found oh, that one. right. Well, there they've are, certainly done that, haven't they? They have indeed. And as you can hear, Nick is here. Hello, Nick. Hi, Simon. Nice yeah. to be back. Nice to be having a Sunday afternoon chat. Isn't Excellent. it just? And Jim is also here. Hello, Jim. Hello. Hello. How are I've, you? I've been training it. Oh, all right. Uh, better than what I've been. I think we've all been. I think we've all been through the winter blues. Yep, yep. There's a certain amount of that. I'm glad to say, for the last couple of weeks here, the sun has been shining. Uh, been quite warm. Not not blazing summer, but um, often the breeze is quite sharp. But uh, certainly, cheers well, I'm, you I'm up, wondering whether I'm wondering whether Jim is um, Jim is uh, what's the word I should use? Uh, 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 moving That's... away, moving away, outgrown the essential apple because he seems to be on my Mac all the while these days. He's <laughs> 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 at least being mentioned once a week. <laughs> yep, even if guy can't understand what he says. <laughs> oh, I see. I'm with you now, right? Yes. All right. All right. The, the man who does Scottish accents like an Irishman. Yeah, that's it. Anyway, <laughs> there we are. So um, we're glad we're all back. And, uh, you know, the weather here has been pleasant, which has cheered us all up no end. And, uh, yes, since we left, of course, uh, you know, the Russians did invade Ukraine in what can only be described as an illegal, um, you know, act. And uh, we all here would yeah. like to, you know, send our solidarity with the Ukrainian mm-hmm. people. Yeah. And um, we'd especially like to, you know, mention, don't forget, there's a lot of people in the Mac community in Ukraine. Um, obviously, our friends at Skylum, uh, who, you know, are, are based in Kiev, I believe. Um, oh, <clears throat> also, Riedel. Yep. Riedel. We do Spark and uh, yep. a few other good apps. Yeah. Uh, MacPore of Clean My Mac and the Set App mm-hmm. uh, thing. Uh, Grammarly, I believe, are at least, um, they may not be based 100% in Ukraine anymore, but they certainly started in the Ukraine. And, of course, our friends at Light Software, um, including Tanya. So, you know, we hope all of our friends in the Ukraine are safe. And uh, I don't know what else to say, really. What can you say? Um, You're in our hearts and minds. Yes, that's it. You know, I mean, this battle. I mean, I literally had an email um, early on from um, it was from Skylum, I think, saying we are literally, you know, coding in our bomb shelter as I type this. So, you know, yes, our hearts go out, and the sooner the whole nastiness is over and done with, the better. Um, there we are. Yeah, I've been trying to get uh, one of the stamps that they brought out with the. Oh yes, the uh, the Ukrainian. Yeah, um, but uh, yes, yeah, but it's like gold dust. They're fetching funny money on the uh, eBay and. Uh, yep, that is true. And yep, of course, thinking of them. 
we're thinking of them too. And of course, not only you know, not only our friends in the Mac community and the developer communities in the Ukraine, but also of course the people who are going out daily, risking their lives to do things like repair the communications network and the water pipes after Russian shelling. And I'm sure a lot of them probably risking their lives daily to keep water and electricity and communications alive. So, yeah, it's a terrible situation. Yeah. And we, let's not dwell on it too much. But, uh, our, yes, our thoughts are definitely with the people of Ukraine. So, so we shall move on to more ordinary you know, concerns. Uh, <laughs> uh, Apple has now officially discontinued the Mac OS server uh, OS. Um, That's not really very surprising, though, is it? Because, I mean, they haven't sold a server type thing for quite a long time now not really you could you could buy um you could pay i think twenty dollars to get the the mac server os version of uh you know the the uh mac os but um as it says most of them were used on mac minis weren't they a lot of them were used on mac minis um Apple says the most popular server features, which are the caching server, the file sharing server, and Time Machine server, are bundled with every installation of Mac OS High Sierra or later, so that customers have access to these essential services at no cost. Um, as they say here, this is uh, PC Mag, by the way. The primary reason anybody would have continued to use the Mac OS server was for Apple's mobile device management um, and profile, which is called. Profile Manager, I think. Um, Or no, Profile Manager has also been discontinued. Um, The company has published support articles uh, related to alternative MDM solutions. Um, There we are. So, yeah, not really a surprise. Hardly anybody used it anymore. I mean, originally, the the Mac uh, server version of the OS was specifically aimed at people who wanted to run a Mac server. And uh, as they say, most of those features are now included in the normal OS if you wish to, you know, do file sharing and caching, Um, which for anybody who doesn't know, local caching, if you've got a whole bunch of Macs on your network, you can have one which will download all of the updates and then distribute them locally rather than every machine having to uh, pull the update down individually, which... Obviously, if you're talking about something like a a full um, OS update, can be quite a lot of yeah. quite a lot of gigs of data to pull down if you're not on unlimited. Did they used to do did they used to do browser caching as well, so they'd, they'd pull um, down all all the stuff onto the network, or I don't know. I I think they did. I don't know, but anyway, that's a, that's normal. That's a normal sort of networky sort of thing, isn't it? Is that they'll not only cache it on your own browser, but they'll cache it on the network as well. Yes, so that you don't have to keep pulling down the same data over and over again. Um, and as they say, that's now available in the ordinary OS. So no, it's not really a surprise that they've discontinued it. I don't think I don't think I can name anybody I know who's used it in the last few years. Um, we used to use it at work on our old X serves, but um, there we are. But they've been they're long gone now. Oh yeah, well we've still got, we still had some and they were being used. Oh them. yeah, I, no, I meant they've uh, yeah, they're, but they haven't been selling them for an awful long no, no, time. No, no, no. And obviously they had to they had to run an old but a very old version of, of the Mac server OS anyway. Um, yeah. So there we are. Um, what's next? I suppose um, really Mac yeah, OS server sort of goes back goes back to the days when you know we were all everyone was experimenting networking so. You know, when we back in the days of token ring networks and that kind of thing. Oh yes, it very much stems from the from the classic era, from the early days. Yeah, 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 very much so. Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of its kind of original purpose simply just got absorbed into the general networking features of you know peer to peer networking that Max can do be it over Ethernet or whatever. Um, so there you go. I guess it's not a huge surprise. Um, Apple's biggest supplier has made a major Earth Day emissions pledge. Um, this was on uh, iMore. Um, goals include recycling 60% of plastic across its sites worldwide and setting up monitoring systems for wastewater discharge and air quality. Um, and this, of course, is Foxconn. Um, 
who have pledged to reduce emissions by 20 to by 21 percent by 2025 and a further 63 percent by 2035 uh, on their target to, to a 2050 net zero um that's actually a bit slower than apple would like because I believe Apple yeah. have said they would like all of their supply chain to be net zero by 2030. Yes, 2030. It says so here. Um, however, I'm afraid we're going to. Unfortunately, we're going to see more and more of this as as companies step back from doing what they really need to do, but but don't really want to. <laughs> I, I think in the case because of it's, because it costs a lot of money. But, I suspect yeah. in the in the case of somebody like Foxconn, it's not necessarily that they're stepping back, but they're be, maybe being more realistic about what they can actually achieve. Um, maybe it, dep- it depends on how important you think it is, really, doesn't it? Yes, I mean, well, if you think this is absolutely vital, then we should be doing everything possible rather than doing dawdling. Yes, I mean, doing I, what we can. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> I, I I agree, but. Um, this is apparently a new pledge from Foxconn, so no doubt Apple. Well, will... it's good that they're making a pledge at all, I suppose. Yes, good. you know, um, yeah. because twenty-one percent of what Foxconn use is probably a vast amount. Um, but... I think another thing they have to start doing is um, not only making these pledges and actually following through with you know with actual changes, but they should also be doing things like uh, opening uh, production plants in other countries as well. Partly to stop us relying on you know China being the only source, which we've you know we've been seeing the problems of getting ships because of that reason, mm. but also to cut down the amount of distance that uh, components have to travel. Uh, you know, should have been manufactured in China, it should be manufactured in China, America, Europe, you name it. Mm. You know, cut down the distance that things have to travel. I guess the problem is with a supply chain like that, even if you do that, you're still going to have to ship parts from all over the world to wherever you're assembling things. So, you know, I'm sure it's a very complex supply chain. But, I mean, Apple Apple have um, made some, um, you know, some strides forward. I mean, I believe, I don't know if they actually did build one. They were talking about building a plant in Brazil. I know they've built plants in India partly because the Indian government insisted that they did that. They wanted access to the Indian market, which seemed fair enough to me. Um, I believe they've opened plants in Vietnam. I can't remember. It's not a part of the Apple thing I follow that closely, but I know they are starting to diversify. So, um, and well, they, they did have a place in America, but that was for the, um, the uh, trash can mark. Yes, and they were basically just assembling the components, I think, so mm. that they could say assembled in the US. Um, I, I don't know. Um, yeah, the the issue with making it in other places, of course, is it's always going to be that Apple won't be able to make as much money, <laughs> so they don't want to do that. Mm. But I, I think because they'll have to pay more, more money, to, more money to workers, and things. I think that and so, trade unions and yeah, <laughs> but. I think Apple, you know, are aware that they can't a hundred percent rely only on China now. Um, yes, I think. It's, yes, I think they know that. Yeah, it's not. You know, with a with a with an organisation as big and complex as the you know Apple's supply chain, I don't think it's something that you can alter overnight in any way, shape, or form. It just you know, just the costs of constructing a new um, the costs of constructing a new plant are massive um never mind all the regulatory oomph that has to go with it but with, with regards to apple they can actually afford that to construct well, and they do. elsewhere don't they they they've do got you know. pots of money in the bank yeah yeah well they've got they've got money tied up in ireland that they can't they can't bring back or they get heavily taxed um they've probably got tons of money over here which they can't take back to america again because of tax uh the most can yeah, yeah, it's um, you know, if if they were to do that, they would be they would set a precedent to other companies to do the same, bring manufacturing back into you know America and Europe and other countries. Yeah, I mean, for those of us who you know have been in the the Mac ecosystem for long enough, we'll remember that um, back in the sort of Apple two uh, CX two CI two FX era. If you bought a a Mac 
here in the UK, it would almost certainly have been assembled in Ireland, um, although they closed that down a long time ago. But at one point, they had a, an assembly plant in Ireland for assembling things like keyboards and Macs. But uh, there we go. Um, well, I just, I think it's, as you say, Nick, you know, it's good that they've made any pledge at all. And I'm sure Apple will be encouraging them to do better than what they've pledged to do, I suppose. Um, hope so. Don't we all? We all hope so. Um, Apple have announced a service program for Apple Watch Series 6, which may suffer a blank screen issue. Um, apparently, a small number, as they always say, a small number of 40mm Apple Watch Series 6 models have been affected by an issue which can cause the display to turn blank permanently. Um, apparently, these units were manufactured between April and September 2021, um, and Apple have done one of their extended service programs. So, if you have an Apple Watch 6 40mm, which is suffering from, um, apparently the screen may go, uh, turn blank or go white. Um, so as Apple have said, Apple has determined the screen on a very small percentage of 40mm Apple Watch Series 6 devices may go blank permanently. Affected devices manufactured between April 21 and September 2021. If your Apple Watch has exhibited this issue, please use the serial number checker below to see if your device is eligible for this program. If so, Apple or an authorised service provider will provide service free of charge. Um, so this will Probably cover good. the Series 6 for two years after their original retail sale. So, and it's valid worldwide. So if you've experienced this issue, you can now contact Apple and hopefully get your watch fixed. Um, you know, a small percentage. The trouble with that is when you manufacture so many of things, uh, a small percentage can still <laughs> be quite a lot of people. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's true. You know, although I've not heard anybody like on um, any of the podcasts I listen to talking about it. Um, and let's face it, the six is not that old, is it? It's only a year and a half since they stopped yeah. doing the six. Um, okay. Um, what have we got here? Cult of Mac reports that the Apple's chip maker is counting on blazing fast two nanometer processors, um, in rivalry oh, with Intel. Yes. Um, that's very, 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 very little. That is very <laughs> tiny indeed. Um, it says here, um, iPhones will continue to get smaller, faster, and more efficient process for the years to come. TSMC, uh, a company that makes Apple's chip, says it should be able to produce processors in 2025, which will be as small as 2 nanometer die process. Um, Perhaps they could turn their attention to how to get suitcases into a car boot. Yes, yeah. <laughs> if they can get so much in such a small space, then, then perhaps, yeah, perhaps they ought to. Uh, what do we have? Because you know, re re repacking your car once you've been on holiday, it's always bigger coming back than when you went. Yes, out, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> somehow or other, what fitted in neatly when you left no longer seems to want to go in on the way back. Um, That's right, it's magic. Just it says here to understand how amazingly small this is, two nanometers is narrower than the width of your DNA, and getting this tiny will not necessarily be easy. Um, there we are, blimey. Um, <laughs> I believe I believe TSMC are talking about four nanometer either this year or next year, and then a three nanometer process a year after that, and then so technically I suppose, and down to two nanometers by 2025, which is insane, to be honest. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you would have thought that they would have run into the you know diminishing returns by now. But somehow I, they I don't, don't. I don't see how they can keep getting... <laughs> it just seems impossible they can keep getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Yeah, what does it but say here? Um, currently, uh, the TSMC's best chip is 5 nanometer, but we have set a timetable to move to 2 nanometer GAA processors in production by 2025. Um, I don't know what GAA oh, stands that's, for. That's not that far away, is it? No, blimey, you know. We're... So they must be experimenting with them now, I guess. Well, it says they've been or working on it. They've been uh, working on two nanometers since 2025, uh, 2020, sorry. So this is how far ahead you oh. have to start working on these things. Um, yes, what does it say? Um, the A9 was a 16 nanometer process. The A11 was 10 
The A13 was 7, and the A15 is currently 5. The A16 is expected to be a 4 nanometer process. Um, and apparently TSMC is almost ready to begin manufacturing 3 nanometer processors. And Apple will be one of the first companies to get access to chips made with this production process. So there we go. Chips get ever unbelievably small. Yeah, there will come a day when, when you want to change You won't be able to change your CPU because you won't actually be able to see it. Yes, it's exactly. <laughs> It'll be tiny. It'll be so small. <laughs> Vanishingly small, tending to infinity, as mathematicians like to say. Oh, dear. Yeah. Right, well, that is fascinating. Uh, not surprising, but fascinating. Um I don't know how TSMC managed to do that all the time when, you know, a huge company like Intel apparently can't keep up with them. But there you go. Um, lots of very mm. highly paid, very, very clever people, I suggest, with the, the secret to their success. Um, Apple scanning for nudity in messages with new child safety feature. Uh, this was in the Metro. Um Basically, Apple are rolling out the um, AI detection of what it thinks may be nudity in um, in messages, uh, and this is part of their uh, child protection suite and parental control. However, they have dropped the slightly contentious um, thing of alerting a parent. Now it will simply um, tell a minor that the picture that they have been sent or about to send may not be, um, you know, suitable. So Yes, a safe thing to do. Yes, blur out the picture and say, are you really sure you want to uh, open this message? Um, and the reason that this is news is because they are now rolling it out uh, beyond the United States. So there we go. Yeah, that's um, good. Doesn't really affect anything people. they're doing to protect protect kids. That's got to be a good thing, isn't it? Yes, it, it's you know it's definitely a good thing. Even um, you know it's even if it is a suggestion, and that's probably not a bad thing. Are you really sure you want to look at or send this picture? Um, yeah, and of yeah, course, it's just make people think twice. Yeah, well, I mean, it's for it's only on child accounts, and um, you know, parents have to turn it on, I believe. So it's um, you know, it's not impinging right. in anybody who doesn't want to uh, have to deal with it. You know, not going to affect yeah old white geezers like us. There we are. Um, Android has lost ground to iOS, but Google still dominates. Uh, this is nine five Mac. Um, this is quite interesting to me, right? Uh, Android is unsurprisingly the most popular mobile operating system in the world as it is available on a huge range of devices. Um, however, data from stock apps shows that iOS has been taking Android's market share over recent years, though Google's platform dominates the market overall. Um, in July 2018, Android dominated 77.32% of the mobile operating system market uh, globally. Four years later, that number has slipped to 69.74%. Um, and global iOS adoption has risen from 194 to 25.49%. Um, here we go. Uh, yeah, I've always found that. I mean, I haven't used Android in quite a long time, but I always found it a little bit, I don't know, just a little, a little bit less intuitive than iOS. Um, things seem to get hidden on on android phones i think that, um do you know what i mean uh I, I, as i say i haven't used one for a number I've, of years so i can't I've, really say for sure no i've not used um i've not used a really modern version of android um although obviously i no, see plenty of them out in the wild um i mean don't get me wrong i mean that that they they work in a very similar way when you're oh, setting them up. I mean, yes, if, if you've got an Android account and a Google account and you, you're quite happy to log into them, they're as easy to set up as an iOS device is. I mean, yes, they just it, set themselves up effectively. I mean, the you know, the uh, days, the but, days but of Android, the, the days of Android being definitely, you know, clunkier than iOS are, are long gone. Um, the, the and main... yet, my, ex, my experience with older people is that on the whole, they tend to find using iOS a little easier than using Android. This is just anecdotally. Yes, exactly. 
Um, um, so that, that's all I'm basing it on, really, is I think... other people's. Not that they don't find iOS difficult as well, no, <laughs> because they no, do. It's, it's not necessarily but, um, the most intuitive operating system in part, is it? So I think, yeah, yeah. in my experience, as I said, like you, I've not used a very recent version of um, Android. But is the problem that if you switch the make of your phone, if you go from Samsung phone to, let's say, uh, say Huawei, then the version of Android you will get will not look or necessarily have things in the same places. Um, yeah. You know, Android is not a consistent experience from device to device um, because obviously... Having man- said that, trying to help people with older versions of iOS is a little bit confusing as well. <laughs> yes, that is true. <laughs> so I was trying to help someone not long ago. Oh, oh dear. That's rather an awful lot of distortion and things going We've on. We've got a lot of static coming from somewhere. Yeah. Oh yeah, so I was—I think I was just saying um, I was helping someone recently with iOS and uh, trying to talk someone through something who is on an earlier version of iOS can be quite tricky because things have moved around. Things move around. So I'm saying time. swipe down, swipe down from the top right. Swipe. Oh, oh no, it's not there anymore. Uh, press the button. Press the. Oh, you have to press the button. Oh, I'd forgotten you have to press the button. <laughs> So yeah, can be a little bit confusing. Can be a little bit confusing. Um, on a on a slight side note, um, I uh, had my hands on one of the new SE uh, phones the other day. Ah. Um, a friend of mine, um, their older phone was well, it was dying basically, and it finally gave up the ghost. So they went and um, acquired themselves one of the new SEs. Is that SE three? That the new one? I think it is, isn't it? Yeah. That, that the latest one? Um so. very nice looking phone. Very reminiscent of the iPhone eight. I mean it's basically an iPhone eight case with iPhone thirteen guts in it. Um uh, you know, obviously you've still got a touch ID button, but um it's a you know, it's a nice phone. Perfectly um good phone. Obviously not quite as big as the um you know, the thirteen. In screen size, it's just about yeah. physically. It's about the same size, but being like the eight, it's got the you know, it's got a the forehead and the chin. But um, no, very nice phone. Um, yeah. And uh, for the price, you know, if you're looking to get into the market, um, it's a good phone. I'd like to have a look at it really because uh, I've been getting a lot of problems with my uh, iPhone XR. Uh, this is the second uh, iPhone I've had, which I've been getting bothered with, uh, freezing up and other kind of problems. Uh, the latest is the camera. When you switch on the camera, you get a right. blank screen. Oh. Um, you're, not, uh, you're not sure you know, anything it's uh, looking at. So you've got to switch it back off and put it back on again to get the camera to work. So it's, mm. it's missing uh, captures because of that. So I was looking at the SE3, uh, but the the thing that's put me off it is um, partly partly size. It's smaller than the iPhone XR. Um, although I've got new glasses now, so I might be able to see it better now. Uh, <laughs> but the, the 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 other thing about it was it's back to the uh, fingerprint yeah, it's, record. It's, it's a touch yeah. ID, which we know yeah. will, you know because you do with, with my line of work it would be no use to me yeah because uh, you yeah. do painting and sanding and things don't yeah you? so um, my, f- my fingerprint becomes unusable yeah um the last time i used um uh, android on a mobile was uh back in the days of uh, the galaxy se3 Right. And I found it then rather confusing to operate. There's an awful lot of things hidden away. The most modern version yeah. of um, Android I've used was on a Kindle tablet. I think it was a nine-inch tablet, uh, and I think it was a little bit less complicated than before. But the, but the, I think with the phone and you know, the phone version of Android, there's there's far too many things hidden away that allow. Uh, your data to get fed back to various folk, especially um, Google. Yeah, yeah. I think if I was going to go for a phone that was an Android-based phone, I would be looking at something down the lines of the, the IOD or EOD um, operating system, which is a, which is um, it's French, isn't it? So that's probably it's, it's, a, it's a French version of Android, but it's it's much more secure. Um, uh, I don't know what it is, but I think the older I've got, the less I've, the less 
happy I've got with uh, iOS. I just I don't know what it is about iOS just now. It's just maybe I'm just getting bored with it or, or want a wee change or something. But I've got really fed up with iOS. Hmm. Interesting. I mean, you do uh, think, especially in the tablet. Yeah, you do seem to have had quite a lot of issues. Yeah. 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 That is true. Well, it's just my my lucky charm. <laughs> yeah. Magnetic right. personality, well, uh, Jim. Well, I'm. <laughs> I'm going to put a link to that IOD in the. Um, I'll put a link to IOD in the show notes, and um, the other one, mm-hmm. although I don't know what sort of money they are. Um, so that'd be EOD. Yeah, I think that's EOD. Yeah, something like that. It's EOD or, or IOD. Yeah. The good thing about them is it's it's reconditioned phones mostly, right. so it's it's saving things going saving phones going to the thing. landfill. You, you can actually buy brand new phones with their operating system uh, installed, but I don't think there's that. I don't think there's many options. I mean, you can get the fair phone, which is a good option because uh, you can repair that and keep it upgraded over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a very good good um, thing if you're into the green. Yep. Um... You know things. <clears throat> you can keep that phone going for a very long time. There's... So the combination of a fair phone plus that operating system, I think it's a good, a good, a good product. Mm-hmm. There's um, the other one, of course, is uh, Purism. Uh, Purism, who do a, a, a phone, the Librem Five, um, which is you know a de Google. I suppose the phone. only issue, the only issue with yeah, sorry, oh, I haven't come across that. Yeah, the only problem with another operating system, of course, is is will the programs that you want to be able to use be available for that operating system? Well, most of them are briefly. I mean, like it depends um, what you want to use. It depends what yeah, you I think. Want to use I think. Um, forward, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, I think with IOD or UD, I think you can actually get all your apps. Um, yeah, yeah. Just, just don't talk back oh, to. Okay. Don't, you know, send back so your details like back to Google. Version, but it's more secure. Yeah. It's basically a de-googled version of Android. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I believe is purism, um, which is that sounds interesting. <laughs> it is a, again a, a modified version of Android, basically with most of the Google stuff stripped out of it. Um, because the you know there is a a, a, a no Google mm-hmm. version of Android available to anybody who wants to build an OS. Um, yeah, just that for most people, you know, or a lot of people feel that if they're not getting the Google services, then they're you know they're not getting what they want. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, from what I've seen um, of IOD and of um, Purism's Pure OS for phones, it's um, it's basically a, d- a de-googled version of Android. So if you're, I don't know what sort of prices we're looking oh, at. For those. I'm just looking at, I'm just looking at that uh, Purism one, mm. the Libre M5. It's a nice looking phone, actually. Yeah, um, it's not got the highest specs. Mm. Yeah. But it depends, you know. It's like a lot of these things, isn't it? We look at the specs and go, oh, well, that's not as high a spec as something else. And by the way, uh, Purism also make laptops and uh, a desktop mini and so on, which run um, run on versions of uh, Linux. So um, they have one here marked as Librem what? 5 what? USA, but um, I don't know what the difference mm. in that is. Uh, no difference. It just happens to be manufactured in the USA. I think that uh, yes, it's made in the USA. So if you're an American and you wish to have one that's been assembled in the US, you can buy the Librem Five USA version. There you go. Not very Apple-y, but you know, interesting side things. I like to keep an eye on what's going on. In it's the world. interesting that people are offering an alternative. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You know. Um, so what's that, what's the name of the company that does uh, computers that are modular that can be repaired? Uh, Sorry, so again, Jim. There's a company. He's saying a company that does. Uh, there's a, there's a company that makes laptops. That that uh, um yeah. You can you can actually upgrade them and uh, keep them. A bit okay, like, I no. found the uh, I found the price of the Libre M5. It's twelve hundred and ninety nine dollars. So it's not Ooh. cheap. <laughs> Ooh. No, that is twelve ninety nine. No, that's um for a full yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, that's um, the Libra M five. Yeah. Ouch. That's that's expensive. Maybe right. it's the same kind of price as the iPhones. Yeah. Yeah, but if you look at its spec it's it's not specced in the you know it's Yeah. Not, um, it's not worth that. Well, an iPhone's not worth that money, but now is that. <laughs> oh, interesting. But that's interesting, but just by um, comparison, um, if you go to the 
IOD site. Uh, they have refurbished phones and new phones, um, and a variety of prices. Um, I mean, uh, Samsung Galaxy S10, 369 to 489 euros, depending on options. That's not a bad price. Yeah, not bad, is it? Um, that's refurbished, obviously. Uh, Fairphone yeah. here, yeah. if you want one of those, 659 euros to 729 euros. Um, oh, they do a nice selection here. Um, yeah, they've got some Xiaomi ones a bit further down. Yep. Xiaomi sure. to go home. <laughs> yeah. Oh, very good. Jim. Sony Xperia's. Oh, interest, an interesting um, option if you, you know, if you don't want to uh, spend as much as, you know, some new phones. Oh, some of us do, yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's good. Interesting. Okay. Uh, the Women in Tech report shows that Apple is ahead of the curve. This is 9 to 5 Mac. Um, as uh, one report I saw and haven't linked described it, Apple's uh, management is no longer male, pale, and stale. Uh, which is <laughs> that's the, the guy who did that well, said it made my wife laugh, and that's why I've used it as the title for this piece. But um, basically, <laughs> um, um, they now have uh, basically many more women. Um, yeah, I mean, they certainly make a point in their uh, keynotes of putting a good number of ladies up on stage these days. That's yes, good. Good to they see. do. Um, there we go. In recent years, Apple has made concerted efforts to address its lack of diversity. This is not just about fairness and starting to redress imbalances, but because research shows having a workforce which reflects a broader population makes financial sense. Um, so what did it say there? Anyway, that... Uh, <laughs> Well, also about they're paying the same wages to the women as they are to the men. I hope so. Well, we would equal, hope so. Equal um, pay, yeah. Yeah. Data shows Apple's leadership saw an 87% increase in female employees across the world, and its female workforce has increased 89%. The company is increasing its female staff working in R&D, and 34% of its broader leadership roles are now fulfilled by women. Um, basically... Um, so, you know, Apple are doing what they like to say they want to do, which is um, allowing a more diverse um, you know, a workforce, which is good. Yeah. Um, because I think that's one thing they probably could rightly be criticised for for a long time, that their board was old white men. You know, let's not be. Absolutely. Let's not be about the bush. Um, lovely as some of them are, you know, it's nice to see people like Lisa Jackson and... Um, the like getting a look in, so that's good. Um, and sort of related to that, Apple has committed to a shareholder requested civil rights audit. Um, you may have heard about this previously because during, I believe, the earnings call, um, oh no, shareholders meeting, um, Apple faced a non-binding proposal calling for a civil rights audit um, and it asked Apple to investigate the impact of Apple policies and practices on the civil rights of company stakeholders. Um, and uh, apparently the Apple board wanted it voted against, but it passed. Um, it passed, but non-bindingly. But Apple have said that we are deeply committed to building a more just and inclusive world and will continue to engage with a range of stakeholders as we move forward with plans to conduct a full civil rights audit. It. So we go more doing the right, more doing of the right thing, which yes, what we like to see. Um, right, this one I'm going to claim bragging rights on this one. I claim bragging rights on this. When um when the new MacBook Pros were were introduced with the return of an SD card slot, um, does anybody remember me saying that I would expect to see the return of those um storage cards designed to go into the slot and stay flush to your oh yes yes, yes. i do remember you saying yeah yep well transcend has announced the jet drive light 330 a one terabyte sd card designed to go flush into your shiny macbook pro um that's cool yep um 
Stubby SD cards are back, and this time in a one terabyte form. Uh, this is over at The Verge, um, and there used to be some others as well, didn't there? Jet Drive was one. Um, I think there was one called something like Magic Drive or something. Similarly, there were two or three people who made them, and um, they're basically cards designed to go into the SD slot and sit flush. So that once they're in, they're in. And uh, if you have another, no a other use... More for, extra storage. Yes, if you have no other use for the SD card, it's an excellent way to add storage for, well, less than an Apple's up- upgrade would cost you. So. The, the only worry I have with these things is reliability. Um, you could use not, it as a... Not, well, I remember these... I, I can't remember if I had one of these or not when I had the laptop, but I remember them when they came out you know, years ago. But... Mm. Um, I've never seen any any reviews about how, how long they last. Um, it's not a good a, idea, but... It's not a bad idea. It's not a bad idea for a backup option, is it? You no. stick one of these mm-hmm. in, yeah. do a backup to it, mm-hmm. and then keep it somewhere safe. Yeah, yeah. Not well, you a... can, um, you know, in terms of straight specs, the Jet Drive offers a read-write speed of 95-75 megabits per second and is manufactured with chip-on-board technology, and it can be used in earlier MacBook Pro models from late 2012 to early 2015, which is... Right. I, I think that might be megabytes per second. Megabytes per second, yeah, probably. Yeah, <laughs> 95 to 75 megabits is not very much, is it? No. There we are. Anyway, <laughs> I claim bragging Wait, rights. I claim the bragging rights because it's your I said idea. They, yes. No, I said they'd return <laughs> the minute the slot was back. Indeed, you did. I think what would put people off it is the price. Um, I two hundred fifty gig, uh, two hundred fifty pounds or dollars, you should say, for the one terabyte and four hundred dollars for the two terabyte. That's Ooh. yeah, but you yes, but you've Eek. got to compare that to um the cost of if you wanted to increase the size of the SSD on your build to order mm. machine. Um, as it says here, the upgrading a MacBook Pro model from one terabyte of internal to two terabyte of onboard storage is four hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, this device is currently listed at two hundred and fifty dollars. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, sure, obviously, if you you know you want the fastest speeds and the whole thing, definitely. But you know, I I can see a lot of utility in it. Mm. I was I was always tempted to buy one when I yeah, had yeah, a, yeah. when I had um. A MacBook Pro that had an SD slot, but when I changed to the 2013 Retina, that didn't have a slot. So that, um, which bizarrely was the yeah. machine I probably could have most done with one of those in because that only had a 256 SSD in it. But you know, I got by. Mm-hmm. We are. Um, so those are back. The Jet Drive is back. Um, mm-hmm. The EU are pushing for um, USB-C as a standard charger. Um, pressing forward with that. Um, legislation, although if you want my honest opinion on this, Apple will probably have a portless uh, phone before this uh, gets forced into law. Um, and then mm, as long as whatever maybe. magnetic, uh, you know, whatever magnetic data cable they use, as long as it's USB-C on the other end, they'll be compliant. And I, I really think that that's where they'll go. Um, further down the line, um, there you are. If you disagree with it, write to your MEP if you're in the EU and say, no, don't do this. Um, I saw um, Bart. Bart Bouchotts was tweeting that, you know, this is an ill-thought-out legislation and write to your MEP and protest if you don't agree with it. Um, The entertainment industry has penned an open letter to Tim Cook over the final cut bro. Um, Here we are. Apparently, um, the entertainment industry... um, over 100 people in TV and film production across the world sent an open letter to Tim Cook with concerns about Final Cut Pro. Um, the letter asks Apple to publicly stand behind the use of Final Cut Pro, which is their video editing application, um, and is in use in TV and film industries worldwide. Criticism towards Final Cut Pro is not devised, based on development or advertising aspect. In fact, these have penned, those who penned the letter explicitly state those who have worked on the programme have put a great deal of effort in the past decade. There are larger issues that make the program a tough choice for creators. Um, yeah. It sounds like it's going the same way as Aperture. 
Mm, I don't think so. I think it's too big a product. I think they're just they're asking for Apple to give it a bit more um, love. Love, yeah. So maybe you know keep up its development mm. pace a, a bit quicker. Um, interesting. interesting. Well, considering I've I've received an email uh, this morning from Da Vinci. Um, they seem to be doing quite a lot of upgrades in their latest version of DaVinci Resolve, including a, a, a cloud update of some sort. Yep. So you can have multiple people working on the same same project. Yep. Um, cloud stores, um, so you can actually store your stuff, you know, physical physical external storage for, for editing and whatever, and um, the Cloud Storm Mini. They seem to be doing a lot. Yeah, Black Magic Cloud Pod, yeah. where you can actually plug um, just a standard uh, USB C drive in and have that as a cloud accessed um, device for your DaVinci Resolve stuff. Lots of stuff. Yes, DaVinci. Something you know, called Black Magic. Something uh, called ATEM Constellation 8D. But yeah, they're very busy by the looks of it, doing lots of hardware and software. They are indeed, and I'll put a link in actually for that for Blackmagic Design for DaVinci Resolve, uh, which of course, as we said before, you can use for free. Um, with indeed, certain which limitations. Is what I, do. I don't use it often these days, but no, but I have used it in the past. It is a fantastic piece of software, and even the free version is incredibly powerful. Um, and yes, it gets it gets updated on a really regular basis, which I suspect is probably what these people are saying to Apple. You know, you're only upgrading it once or twice a year, whereas people like Resolve and other people are, you know, permanently pushing forward. Um, yeah. Um, and a little bit further down, it seems to be saying really that they're, they're not concerned about the, the work that's already been done, and that, that a lot of good things have been done. It's just that they're perhaps not focusing on... TV professionals, TV and film professionals, which is what they'd like them to do. Yes, to give it more um, more of a pro edge. I mean, it is touted as a pro tool, and um, if you're going to do that, I guess you've got to make sure that you are providing pro-level features. Um, there we go. Yes. Um, apparently, the Mac now has a hidden internet speed test tool, um, which uh, you no longer need to use a special app or a website to see how fast your internet is. Um, there is now a new network speed test checker in OS Monterey. Um, use the terminal Ooh, I think app. I'm going to have to try that. It's in the terminal and um, apparently... Launching terminal as we speak. You have to type network quality dash B. I believe so. Yes, it's network quality capital Q. Oh, yes, by the look 200, of 207 megabits per second. Upload capacity and 8.4 megabits per second. I have to zoom that down. Uh, Other way round, yeah. 200. Oh, there we go. It's got the summary. Yeah, 8.688 megabits per second upload and download 200 and something. There you go. That's good. Um, oh, that's very useful, isn't it? Yes, um, it is, actually, because you can then probably say you've got a consistent um, way of checking because uh, all those various yes. broadband speed tests you you can go. When I've used those, I usually have to use half a dozen and then kind of try and average out the result because one will give you, you know, 20 megabits per second or whatever. They do vary a bit, yeah. Another one will give you 50 and it's like, okay. So um guess you would at least have a base point to work from. There we are. How are we doing? Oh, thank you for that, time? Apple. How are we doing? Time, I think we're all right. A couple more. Um, Yorkshire businesses are the first to trial a cost-cutting water pipe broadband. This was from IT Pro probably a couple of weeks ago. Um, uh, if found to be safe, the technology could de be deployed in water networks around the country from 2024. Um and basically, uh, well, what they're talking about doing is running your gigabit broadband uh, fiber through the water main. Um, because obviously a lot of the effort in laying new fiber is in digging up the road in order to lay it. Um, as it says, if found to be safe and compliant with legal requirements, the technology could become operational in water networks around the country from 2024. Um, Makes a lot know, of sense. Yeah, here we are, yeah. Up to 80% of the expense in building new gigabit-capable broadband networks comes from the cost of development of poles and ducts. 
often involving the digging up of roads and limiting access to remote villages. Um, seems like a good idea that to me. That makes a lot of sense because I mean, when you well, yeah, because when you when you're building new homes, you have to get um, you have to talk to the water company, obviously, to put water into the new homes. Mm. So while you're doing it, why not run your your fiber up the same? Well, I think this, they're, pipe. they're actually going to run it down. Yes, inside the inside the pipe. So the, the the reason for the trial is to make sure that it remains workable. But I see no reason why not. If you can yes. run fiber under the bloody ocean all the way across the Atlantic, I see no reason you can't put it down a you know a, a water pipe. Um, seems yeah. eminently yeah, sensible. Right. Put it feed it down the mains with one of those little robots that scurries down the pipe. I always find those my only uh, my only concern my only concern would be that of course pipes underground do degrade over time mm. all their modern plastic pipes are a lot better than the old cast iron ones but well um, the thing is how, how long... <laughs> at some point you might have to the water company may have to not only dig up the road and fix a water pipe but they may have to reconnect internet as well at the same time that is true but, um, but that i mean that's looking well into the future but. and let's face it if you're if you say it, the, the average life i mean i'm going to completely guess here but if you was to say the average life of a you know a modern water main pipe is 20 yeah. years you know you could probably, probably have, much longer than that but, it probably is but yeah. you, you know i'm just saying you know for you know where will internet be in 20 years <laughs> a one well gigabit, that's true a one right, gigabit, we might not be using cables underground anymore <laughs> you know a one gigabit fiber pipe you know a cable down your pipe might be seen as archaic as using dial-up so um <laughs> yes the, the main... gigabit how did they manage with just the gigabit exactly <laughs> um I just, no. I just think um, it just seems like an eminent process. If you could also, if you it could does run, make a sensible idea. If you can run fibre cables down existing mains pipes from, you know, out particularly out into the countryside, you know, because water, there's water runs everywhere almost. If you can get water and electric, then you could just feed the cable down through the pipe and pull it out the other end somewhere. No, jobs yeah. are good. Well, I'm sure Yorkshire Water are pleased because they've had a 1.2 million grant to kickstart it. So yes, indeed, um, good for them. Yeah, we are very pleased. The government is supporting the development of fibre in water solution. Um, according to Bright, deploying broadband through water pipes reduces the environmental impact and day-to-day disruptions caused by both water and telecom companies' activities. If anything else, I suppose you only have to dig the road up once. Um, yeah, you know, if you've got to lay a new pipe. My thought was more about, you know, how you can use existing pipes by feeding the stuff through existing pipelines. But uh, there we are. Yeah, I'm not sure how practical that is, but it's possible, I suppose. Well, they have those little robots that go along um, checking for leaks, don't they? They do. They do. You know, tie a bit of string on the back of one and tell it to pull the... (laughs) Yes, just pull this cable through, will you? Just pull this cable along, you know. Well, you know, possibly workable, I don't know. Anyway, uh, Elon Musk offered to buy Twitter for $43 billion. This dates back a little bit. Um, of course, he bought 9% share in Twitter, I believe, um, which made him the largest individual shareholder. And then he was offered a place on the board, which he declined, um, basically, because if he joined the board, he couldn't buy any more shares, I believe. Uh, now he wants to make an offer to buy Twitter outright for $43 billion. Um I like how he said that with the low greater, uh, what was it What was it he said now? Uh, great, greater freedom of speech if he owned it. <laughs> I thought, aye, right, okay. Uh, right, oh, maybe. <laughs> I'll believe it. Uh, Elon Musk says he has offered to buy Twitter for $43 billion and tells the SEC in a filing that the deal would be good for free speech. Uh, I have invested in Twitter as I believe in its potential to be a platform for free speech around the globe, and I believe free speech is a societal imperative for a functioning democracy. Um, If the deal goes through, Musk will plan to take the company private. Uh, Whatever. Um, Not really of great interest to me one way or the other, to be honest. I just, uh, you know, it is one of those things. Would would he be better, you know, would he be be better than the current uh, management of Twitter? Who can say? Who knows? Who knows? I mean, he's 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 got experience in um, social media, hasn't he? So, mm. so his past. So, uh, yeah. So I don't know. Whatever. Um, 
Good for Elon. Yeah, well, <laughs> maybe or maybe not. Depends, you know. If they reject it, I suppose he'll probably up the offer and make a hostile bid in an attempt to buy them out. Whether that's good or not, I can't well, pe- say. People may remember that I don't actually use Twitter very much. <laughs> no. Well, I use Twitter so, quite a lot, but I, I don't have the sort of complaints a lot of people have about Twitter, but then I'm fairly restrictive in who I follow and um, interact yeah. with. I don't. I think you know. that's often the case with uh, a lot of these social media things. If you if you befriend everyone under the sun, then you will befriend some rather strange yeah. people. Strange or, <laughs> you know, possibly you know, um, less opinionated. than Opinionated. Yes, opinionated. Let's be yeah, polite yes. and call them opinionated. That's true. Um, <laughs> well, we're sort of getting to the end now, chaps, but um, this one is one I'm going to bring up because uh, our friends uh, at Simple Login, um, who obviously we've had on the show, um, Sun and uh, I can't pronounce his name. Yes, Sun Kim. Right, I'll skip out the middle one because it's got a weird to us Westerners pronunciation. Um, has joined the Proton family of Andy Andy Yen. So uh, Simple Login is now part of Proton, which no doubt will be very good for Simple Login because you know they're now part of a bigger umbrella group. Um, and Proton have said that they will be promoting the use of the simple login tools within um, the Proton applications. So that seems good for uh, simple login and probably quite good for Proton Mail. Um, yes. And yes, we're there today. I think I think simple login will have seen some impact from Apple introducing their own aliasing email thing. <laughs> Possibly, and so also, I think you know, probably a good were, idea to join up with other people. I don't think, um, much as we promote it, I don't think simple login is as well known as it deserves to be. And, um, yeah, obviously, getting the clout of the Proton brand will no doubt, um, do wonders. Plus, you know, as as Son said himself in, um, in a tweet, I believe, or maybe it was on their blog, I forget which, that, uh, obviously. You know, that gives them access to a lot more resources for development. Um, yeah. But that's all good. And um, I will see if I can get Sun or Andy or even both of them to come on the show at some point and talk about their uh, collaboration slash uh, merger. Yeah, that'd be good. Be good if we could we'll get one or other or both. Um, that'd be nice. Um, and then the justice well, snippet. I heard about... Oh, sorry. Sorry, Jim. Sorry. No, I was just going to say, when I heard about the, the merger or the, the takeover, I was kind of hoping that um, Proton would make it part of your subscription, but uh, it doesn't look if that's the case. Uh, I, I think, I, I think at the moment, uh, not yet. I think um, Andy. There's mm. a one here from Nine to Five Mac, and I think um, Andy said that uh, they would be um, including simple login uh, functionality in Proton Mail in the future. Mm. I'm sure you can't probably can't just plug it in like a piece of Lego, but uh, I think that's mm-hmm. no, that's from Proton's point of view. That's a um, that's a technology they would like to acquire and include, um, as well as marketing it, you know, in its own right. But uh, so in time, I believe it will become incorporated into Proton um, Proton Mail. Mm-hmm. Um, just not yet at the moment. It's good that um, Simple Login has got this bit of backing now because uh, they were well Apple was starting to compete against them with their own version of yeah, the alias uh, yeah. so they, they would need that wee bit kind of boost to help them along yes I, I, very much so yeah. I think so I'm sure it's a very good move for both of them um, mm-hmm. they both seem to be I, I use both yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Use, I use both Proton Mail VPN and Simple Login yes so do I I do indeed. Mm. Um, I have some other email aliasing services as well, but um, I must admit that a simple login is my um, tends to be my weapon of choice for uh, creating, you know, on the fly aliases. So, uh, yep. And moving on to the last little bit, which is the, just a snippet. Apparently, users of the iBeer app. Who remembers that from the, like the days of the very first iPhones? Do you remember that one, Jim? Vaguely. The iBeer app had a, was a very sort of fun thing that um, was an app. You, you you would bring it up and it looked like a glass of beer. And as you tipped the 
the phone as if you were drinking, yeah. it would it would um, go glug 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 and empty the glass. Yeah, um, I remember it now. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, very. It was um, back in the days when you had the fat apps as well. Yes, precisely. <laughs> it was it was very early on. We're talking really mm-hmm. quite early. Um, but apparently, the users of the iBeer app were sometimes angered when they did not actually receive real beer, according to uh, Apple Magazine and the inventor of the iBeer app. Uh, you know, said you couldn't make it up. Um, <laughs> what, what they got was synthahol. <laughs> yeah. Um, there we are. A short link to that if you want to read on the Apple magazine about some, you know, some users complained they didn't actually get beer out of their iPhone. Um, <laughs> when you, it's like, really? Yes, I'm not quite sure how that's going to work, but there we are. There we are. So that's about it, chaps. That's We're, we're done. I think we've done an hour and a bit. So uh, I guess we'll wrap it up. So, um, Jim, do you want to tell people where they can find you around the interwebs? <laughs> That's it. It's that long as I've done this. Um, on Flickr, as Ormi O, um, in the Slack room, and on Vimeo, uh, link in the show notes, I think. Yes, all the links uh, are in I'm the show I'm going to make a recommendation. And I can't good. remember the full, tit- the full title of it, but if you get a chance, if you have Apple TV+, Plus. Um, Ptolemy Grey is highly recommended. Uh, so I've heard. I haven't watched that. Yeah, Ptolemy Grey. I've watched it. It's very good. T- yeah. um, We're we going to do the, chuck in a couple. I'll tell you one that I've been watching. Um, is the British spy drama called Slow Horses. <laughs> yes, that's good. Which yes, that's good. yeah. I mean, that's warmed up, hasn't it? It's. Uh, I thought it, the first episode mm-hmm. was a little bit. Yeah, the first episode slow, was but... a little bit slow, but I did find it. It's darkly humorous. Um, and yes, for anybody who it doesn't is. know, it's yeah. called Slow Horses because it's about a bunch of MI5 rejects who are sent off to a place called Slow Slough House to keep them quote unquote out of trouble because they're regarded as rubbish. Um, and it yeah, gets... it looks like they're going to end up being the heroes of the day eventually. <laughs> oh, I'm sure, but it's um, it's it's quite good. It's quite dark. There's there's some uh, you know, good humour in it. Um, of a sort of fairly dark kind, but it's also an actually quite gripping spy story. Um, yeah, uh, and another recommendation on Amazon Prime, uh, Picard season two is excellent. Yeah. Um. Yes, I'm enjoying Picard as well. Yeah. I'm I'm definitely enjoying Picard season two more than I enjoyed season one. Um, still has its flaws, but whatever. It's uh, it's fun, isn't it? It no, it's fun nonsense. So I tend not to uh, get too bent out of <laughs> yeah, shape. Best not to overthink. Don't overthink it. Or don't get bent, don't get bent out of shape about it. I think probably the best way. It takes your mind away from all the problems of the world at the moment. That is true that is true and um there we are so uh nick where can people find you or not uh you can sometimes find me on uh twitter i'm spligosh s-p-l-i-g-o-s-h jolly good and uh as most of you probably know by now you can find me uh on the twitter as at serenak and that's s-e-r-e-n-a-k you can find all of us, of course, in the Slack room. If you want to join the Slack, just follow the link in the show notes. Um, I know we've not been on for a while, so I will just uh, mention this. You can get two months of Kino Premium um, if you use the offer code Kino with John Nemo. Um, again, links in the show notes. And, uh, well, that's about and, it. And also, yep. and also... And also, you can look out for look for uh, Nick and I on the streets. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, dear. Yes, Pierce does um, not play. <laughs> um, what else? Oh, uh, don't forget Mark's uh, video channel again. Uh, linked in the show notes. He recently posted one about uh, going on. Uh, "Quote unquote holiday to visit uh, Carl Madden, and um, yeah, it's quite a fun little piece of video there on his YouTube channel. Um, and his gourmet cooking. Yep, gourmet cooking, indeed. Yes. <laughs> 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 go, yeah, go. Feel free to look that up. Uh, 
what else? Uh, thank you, of course, to everybody who listens to us, everybody who supports us, retweets us, you know, sends us money, all the usual things. And uh, we're glad to be back, and um, we'll look forward to seeing you all again next week. And until then, oh, and hopefully we'll find out what's making the buzzing and eliminate it next week, but never mind. Um, until then, goodbye. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Essential Apple Podcast. And I'd like to say if you enjoy the show and would like to support us, feel free to go over to the website essentialapple.com and you will find links to both Patreon and the Pinecast Tips Jar where you can make a donation towards the costs of the show. Uh, Or even if you're really keen, you could set up a recurring payment. And thank you very, very much to all the people who already do support us. We really do appreciate you very much indeed. This show is, of course, part of the My Mac Podcasting Network, where you can find a variety of other shows like the My Mac Podcast with Guy and Gaz, the G-Men, Tech Fan with Tim and David, the Nintendo Club podcast, the geekiest show ever, the Three Geeky Ladies, uh, Bart Bouchotts and his wonderful Let's Talk Apple, and possibly some more that I've forgotten. Why not go over to mymac.com, take a look at the available podcast, and take a listen. Hello and good evening. This is Gaz for the MyMac Podcast. And we know you have your pick of high-quality, downloadable audio content, and we appreciate that you choose ours. Quite right, old bean. This is Guy, and we're here to say that the MyMac Podcast is the right choice to make. Intelligent, cultured, and downloaded by only the finest and most educated people. Indeed. In fact... We restrict our delightful missives to only those best suited... (sighs) Guy, I can't go on with this. Who are we kidding? The MyMac podcast is probably one of the most accessible shows there is. Gaz, we're trying to up our reputation here. Oh, shut it. Listen, folks, tired of tech podcasts that talk over your head and go on too long, taking themselves so seriously, you'd think they were the ones making the product? then you should listen to the MyMac.com podcast. At least three good chuckles per segment. If my math is right, that's about ten laughs per show. Right. Because three times three is ten. Sometimes I really wonder about you, Guy. No need to wonder where to find the podcast. Just go to iTunes and search for MyMac. Subscribe and jump into the fun. You know, we're part of the Stoplight Network, and there are a lot of important people there. Well, we did say we hardly know anyone important, though there was that time I was less than 30 feet away from the Waz, and I could have sworn we made eye contact. Most likely, he was having stomach cramps. That would explain why he was doubled over at the time the MyMac.com podcast. Enjoy it over a cuppa. This has been the Essential Apple Podcast. Goodbye and thank you for listening.